Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Where are we? <laughs> in the village. Oh. No. <laughs> that was, I was, I swear I was not trying to channel the in the village, but it just came out that way. We do need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. The uh, Prisoner 2009 version for our mm-hmm. um, uncanny members only. Is that what it is? What is it? Incomparable members only. <laughs> we're, we're tired. We're at a convention in San Jose. Yeah, because we're here uh, because Uncanny Magazine and Verity are both up for Hugo's on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why we're here in a way. Also here to see friends and, you know, do the convention in San Jose, California and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so Uncanny was on the brain and comparable. <laughs> we've, we've, we've dabbled. We haven't done any Verity. Well, we, ha- I wouldn't anyway, cause I'm not on Verity obviously, but we've done an, our, our Radio Free Scarrow since we've been here. Mm-hmm. We've done an inconceivable for the incomparable network. We did an Uncanny live podcast recording. You can see why such things are yep. cycling through my brain. Yep. Yeah. And uh and yeah, so now it's lazy Doctor Who time and yeah. who knows, maybe we'll record something else tomorrow even possibly. Well, you are you're recording uh Herb Chirp, I think. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So, yep, it's a podcast filled week filled weekend even when we come to Worldcon. Yeah. So we that's why it's Saturday night. What better time to watch <laughs> two episodes of Doctor Who from from now 1968, officially 1968. Mm. The calendar has turned for episodes three and four of The Enemy of the World. I think you'll find it's from 2018. <laughs> Thank you very much. The futuristic space year 2018. Yeah, the year of great wallpaper and collars 2018. And boots. And boots. And boots for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we watched. I, I, I asked you last time. I can't remember if it was on the mm-hmm. podcast or not. If we could watch three and four, because episode three for the longest time was the only uh, existing installment of this mm-hmm. story, and um, I've seen it so many times, and it's funny because it's the least representative of the story. It's the one that gave this story such a bad reputation for all these years until it finally came back. Okay, I want to know how that works. Like, did people just watch that episode and not listen to the audio versions of um, the, of the other episodes or read anything about them? Because the entirety of the story is pretty interesting. And yeah, you're right. That episode is not very representative. But it just it seems weird to me that anybody who knew anything about the other stuff that was going on like if they watched that episode, they'd be like, "Yeah, this isn't very good," but the rest of the story is still interesting. So, so did people just just watch what they could see and then ignore the? Oh, you're nodding at me. Okay, wow, <laughs> dear past fandom, you you suck. Well, I mean, there's as you know, I mean, I watched the recon, listened to the audio, but you know, the the number of people who listen to the missing episode audios and or watch the recons are a lot lower than people who just buy Doctor Who The Lost Years on DVD, throw in the existing episodes that are there and just watch that. Mm. And that's the only thing they see of a particular story because it does take a little more effort to track down the recons and the missing you know the audios and stuff so yeah this the episode three often for a lot of people was the only thing the only representation for the story oh that just, me maybe just as a completionist that would drive me nuts i would not want to watch episode three of a of a story 
and and have that be all like I would want to know what came beforehand and then after watching it I may or may not want to know what came afterwards depending on what I thought but yeah that would drive me nuts I know and you know what now I'm just I'm thinking of this I haven't read it in a while but the the Doctor Who discontinuity guide mm-hmm. um I remember kind of almost like the review which wasn't that long of this story was like sort of like middling and whatnot and they mentioned like griff uh and uh horribly edited so basically they they mentioned like the five minutes of episode three that is horribly edited and features griff and griff only features in episode three the cook and you'd think that perhaps if you were watching episode three, oh he must be featuring it heavily in in two and four or something like that no he is here for comic relief and then he's gone comic <laughs> relief i say in quotes yeah now you didn't like uh you didn't like griff at all you know i i i know i've heard on other podcasts and talked to people they really like griff they think he's funny it just doesn't do anything for me it seems so and it it seems really out of place because you don't get that kind of comic relief in any of the other episodes and you don't get that kind of comic relief in any of the rest of this episode he's just so over the top the only thing that the saving grace that I like about him is that he he's another way to sort of uh, give Faria a chance to do some more acting and, and humanize her. She's she she clearly dotes on him and smiles mm-hmm. and you know thinks he's a genius with, you know as a cook. But that's the only thing I like about him: his interactions with Victoria and his talking to himself about you know getting shot. No, the firing squad would miss me and like, just, what. <laughs> What is no? I'm just I don't. It's not for me. I'm, I'm I, to all of you Griff fans out there. I'm I'm glad that you have this episode, and I'm glad that you've had this episode to yeah. enjoy for all of these years. But it does not. Uh, it does not push any of my buttons except for the cranky ones. I know the food's bad, but you don't have to go that far. <laughs> that was a line where you like shook your head, and there I believe there I, were several lines where I shook my head. I, I believe the I believe the line. This is why nobody wanted to watch this story. <laughs> after he said that line yeah i said that because why yeah if 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 that's the only thing that i saw uh yeah i probably would mention griff in my review and oh, jeepers yeah because he, he 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 does figure into it very prominently he gets a lot of screen time on his own mm-hmm. he's got a lot of lines talking to himself he he seems like a big deal was he was he like an, a well-known actor or something or was this just they needed to fill time so they put in a weird character for comic relief i don't know what the origin story of griff is uh other than he's the cook i don't care that much it's fine <laughs> well it it is kind of neat to see like you know we see people sort of like behind the scenes sort of conspiring at salamander those who work for him and then there's griff who was just like an employee like you know i always think about there's that great um comedy bit from uh eddie izzard about uh you know darth vader in the cantina i've only i don't know this because somebody did like a lego stop motion (laughs) uh follow along to this you know about darth vader going in the cantina like no one knowing who he really is because they don't see the boss like just the 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 menial workers on the death star uh and how many of those must exist in star wars and then i think of all the like the 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 tyrannies (laughs) that exist in doctor who and how there are you know police at force behind them and all that but then there's just people like griff who just do the cooking mm-hmm. and that's their job so it is kind of an amusing slice of life mm-hmm. um character in that way even if he is kind of mm-hmm. annoyingly comedic quote unquote yeah i 
I appreciate, I think I liked the guards better for that because you, I, I really did get a feel for that sort of like, like you say, slice of life. Like there are a bunch of guards that, that work in this zone and they're, they're working for Salamander and they had personality. You get the uh, Janosch, the, the guard who wants to drink wine with, uh, um, with Astrid because who wouldn't? She's very pretty. And the, the captain of the guard who f- suddenly finally realizes, oh, right, that's where I recognize her from. Like they all had, I felt like they had personality and felt like actual characters. I could picture them going home at the end of the day and, you know, kicking back with a brewski and, and maybe playing some cards with their friends. Like I got that feeling from them. And, but but not from Griff because he was just too much he was too much of a caricature mm-hmm. that I could like I couldn't picture him as an actual like I, I appreciate what you're saying about the the working stiffs you know the scrubs that are just getting stuff done and I do like that and I don't quite feel like Griff fits into that category because he's just too OTT that I can totally see mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah so so yeah I, I like the guards for that um, a lot better than I liked him yeah, I like how Astrid after she knocks out Janos, like says sorry Janos after. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's so cool and she's nice and like you know she, she like he was he was sweet on her and she appreciated that. I mean, it's a little creepy that he was you know he's he's in a position of power. He's got a gun and stuff. We drink wine together later. Mm-hmm. Yes, you come back. Uh, he seemed a little like like yes, this is a thing that's going to happen. I'm like, maybe you're ab- abusing your position of authority there, uh, you know, so maybe you deserve to get bonked over the head. Yeah. It's such a, this story is weird in a way. <laughs> it's because episode three is episode three where we see like the doctor is in one scene and he's hiding in, uh, you know, in a cupboard basically for, for most of it while Benick's guard, his sole job is to come in and smash up plates basically <laughs> and then walks out. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Dennish shot in the back after being guarded in, in the in the corridor because it's easier to guard him there. When is it easier to guard somebody in a corridor with like three points of egress? Like he's not even just in a corridor. He's in a corridor that's like a T intersection. So he's got three directions to run instead yeah. of just one, whereas he would if he was in a room. But, but it, it was worth it for the wallpaper alone. So I was okay with it. There's great wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you don't have to build an extra set yep. for mm-hmm. it. So why are we guarding him here? There you go. Yeah. Oh, I I understand yeah. the uh, you know the doyleist reason for it. I just mm-hmm. think it's it's kind of kind of hilarious and just you know it's a hallway with a bench. Sure. Yeah. But so episode three happens. Griff is there. Never appears again. Janos never appears again. The guard captain never appears mm-hmm. again. Federin gets poisoned after he fails mm-hmm. to poison Danish. Obviously, never appears again. Um, Jamie and Victoria don't appear in episode four because they're on vacation. Ah. Uh and then, uh, unless you have anything else to move, uh, talk about episode three before we move on to four. I just want to have a moment of silence for Federin and his quivering bottom oh, bottom lip. Yeah. Uh, his his lip acting was was great. He was just he was such a sad puppy dog and just mm-hmm. he just he he wanted to do the right thing, but he couldn't bring himself to do the right thing. And then he wanted to do the wrong thing, and he couldn't bring himself to do the wrong thing. He just couldn't really do anything except drink a lot of wine in all of the episodes he was in, and that that is what finally did him in with the fastest acting poison I have ever seen wow Dennis would have died instantly had he uh, mm-hmm. actually had the poison yeah. yeah um so then yes go on oh I was just gonna say also I love that scene with uh with the guard and Dennis like the guard trying to take away the the knife and yeah. fork like you know, what do you think I'm gonna cut my way out of here and then he cuts 
cuts up cuts up Dennis's steak for yeah. him. Like that was just that was a lovely little moment of uh, of interpersonal like just interaction, and it, that was another one of the things that sort of gave me a little bit of personality for the the captain of the guard. Like you know, it, it was that was nice. Mm. It's been a long time since I had my food cut up for me, <laughs> says Dennis. Yeah. Yep, I love him. He was great. It was, it was very sad to see him get shot in the back. That was a bummer. It was. Um, but then episode four happens. It kicks off with a, uh, the filmed reprise of the cliffhanger from three so they can just dissolve right to live studio footage of Patrick Troughton as the doctor again because he's mostly the doctor in the first half of this. And then it goes bonkers. <laughs> you forget how crazy this story gets because Salamander mysteriously shuts off. Uh, you know, okay, no one come in here in the records room. It's completely off limits. Seals it up climbs into this tube and goes miles beneath the surface where there's a colony of humans there working under the assumption that there's a big giant war going on Mm -hmm. crazy (laughs) yeah just out of the blue i remember the first time i watched this not really knowing anything about the story and i was just gobsmacked well i mean at first at first okay so you know he's doing something shady he's turning off his his communications and stuff and then like the wall opens up and i'm like ooh, this is exciting what's happening here and then there's this weird tube thing that he climbs into and i'm like okay i don't i don't understand what he's doing is he does he have like a youth serum or something like he gets into this machine and it does something to him to to make him stronger or whatever nope then it flips up and he starts going down and down and and that was those are really cool shots of it uh of it the tube the going model shots there yeah yeah just really impressive they looked good and i was that was my mind was just going where is he going what is happening this is amazing and and at first i wasn't like you know it, it looks like he's going down but you don't necessarily know i thought maybe he's traveling all the way through like home to mexico or something like that and <laughs> right. So, so you know, it's just like it's super interesting because you're wondering what's happening, and then the next time you see him, like he's got this like faded and dirty work overalls and stuff, and he's walking into this room that it doesn't have wallpaper. It's even better than wallpaper. Yeah. It's got like silver half spheres all over the walls and looks really like scientific, shiny, futuristic. Mm-hmm. And he's locking his clothes into a drawer. And it was just like, what what's happening? And then there's another communication, like giant communications thing. Uh, I'm sure it's the same prop set against the wall there. And suddenly there's this room full of people in very weird 60s outfits uh, wandering around with clipboards and doing sciencey mm-hmm. things. And I'm like, okay, have we just jumped into a different episode entirely? <laughs> like, is this a different Doctor Who story? What What planet are they even on? And then when they reveal... You know, Salamander's back, and he's he's pretending to be all tired and radiationed up and and yeah. stuff, and then and then it's just like mind blown, mind blown. This this guy, and he's Patrick Troughton is just so good that when he is he's doing his tired thing and he's he's talking to his people, like there's a there's a part of me that is that is legitimately like rooting for him for to to con- like to, to keep bamboozling all of these people because it's, he's just so good. I know. Uh, like the body language of his performance yes. is not at all like the doctor's. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just, he, you know, his his shoulders are slumped because when he's tired and he's, he's the way that he gesticulates is different and, and the way that he's, you know, his accent, of course, but, but even just the way that he's emphasizing different words and the way that he interacts with the characters. He's such a good 
con man. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees Mary and Colin and, and he's so happy to see them. Oh, it's just my little joke, yeah. you know, and, and sends them off to get some wine and open it up. And when Colin starts questioning him too much, oh my God, Colin is just, he's too extra. We'll just talk about him. We'll talk about him. Yeah. Um, and you know he uses his 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 tiredness and he's overcome with radiation so he doesn't have to keep answering questions it's just what just such a clever grifter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've got to get up there mary i've got to i love his night colin his 1940s film actor he never <laughs> he never looks at mary in the face he always like stares off into the horizon <laughs> when he's doing his speeches it's such a such a weird performance yeah it is. Well, you know, I think maybe we're supposed to think that he's just going stir crazy from being underground for so long. And, and know, you know, and it, it, maybe the, you know, because he was, he was a teenager when, when they went down there, right. as, as uh, Salamander says. So maybe he spent his time on the surface when he was there watching movies from the 1940s and he internalized <laughs> that and he was a big fan. And now that he is, is trapped underground, he can't watch any more new media because they don't have anything else I didn't have a chance to bring that with him so he just he's he remembers like the 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 intensity of the 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 old-fashioned stars that he watched so he grew up emulating that thinking you know this is the way that I must act when I feel passionate and powerful so that's why he that's why he acts the way he does and he's going a little bit batty from not having seen the sun or walked on the surface for five years that he is. I like your head cannon. <laughs> Thank you. That they've only got like, you know, copies of Shane from 1953 <laughs> or whatever it was in there to watch. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just find like like the actor, I don't know who the actor is or what he's what he did apart from this, but I feel like he's a young actor, but he must be from the theater, uh, which is exactly what Patrick Troughton hated because he was, you know, he called acting in the theater all that shouting in the evening and he never mm-hmm. actually did much theater because he just he much preferred the subtleties of TV production. Just so, mm-hmm. so to see both those actors mm-hmm. in the same scene it just felt mm-hmm. just a huge thing. And Christopher Burgess makes his first appearance, not our Christopher Burgess from Radio Free Scarrow, of course, but mm-hmm. Christopher Burgess the actor who is in two more uh Doctor Who uh, stories over the course of his career, both directed by Barry Letts. Barry Letts gives him all his Doctor Who work, which I thought was amusing. Wow, I didn't realize yeah. that. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the one of the co- one of his company of actors that he always seemed to use. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Faria dies. That's sad. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, I, I appreciate that, and I think we talked about this on Verity when we were talking about competent women mm-hmm. um, and talking about Faria and, and Astrid. I appreciate that. She dies with agency. Like she's she's yeah. not killed off to motivate anybody. She's not fridged. She she makes a decision that she's going to try to overthrow Salamander. Like she sees an opportunity, possibly a better opportunity than she's ever had before. Um, she actually has there's some some paperwork she can get her hands on, and not only that, but she has seen uh, Astrid infiltrate and and almost get away with Denish. So she's like, okay, there's definitely resistance going on. Maybe I can, you know, uh, hook my wagon to this team of horses. Mm-hmm. So she she goes out and she she makes a play for it and she really she tries and she doesn't succeed and it's a bummer. Like I I do hate that she gets killed, 
but I like the fact that she gets killed trying to make a difference and doing something that she chose to do. And I kind of like the fact that we never really get the the whole backstory between her yeah. and Salamander. Um, you know, there, it's even just sort of like hand waved away in the doctor's line, you know, when she's saying he blackmailed me and... Uh, and um, what's his face asks, "What did you do?" Giles Kent. Yes, Giles Kent. You know, well, what did you do? And the doctor's just like, "Well, it's, it's, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't actually matter." Uh, but for for Freya says, "Does it matter?" And the doctor's like, "No, it doesn't. Nobody's perfect." So so we never get those blanks filled in, which kind of like leaves it up to your imagination, which is you know probably my imagination is coming up with some really awful stuff. So. Me too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's she's definitely. Uh, just I think a really cool character in in terms of the way that your your brain sort of fills in the gaps and then her performance was really good and she's just I mean she's a little bit over the top in episode three when she's just like goes off on on Jamie but uh but it's I still like it I think there's some righteous anger in there yeah totally I I feel like it's maybe Jamie, I'm not sure Jamie said it enough to to set her off, but she was, you know, she right. she definitely has, we think, has something to to truly be upset about. So yeah, maybe it is warranted. I like her last one of her last lines. You know, you can only kill me once, and someone else has beaten you to it. I thought it was a very sort of spy <laughs> oh, movie line. So good, so good, and how she whacks Milton John yeah. ac- John's across the face. <laughs> uh, he's just oh, he's just being so blech. Mm-hmm. And she's just giving it to him right there at the end. So it, you know, it's sad that she dies, but she has one of the better death scenes in all of Doctor Who, I would say. Yeah, Carmen Monroe, OBE. She helped form a um, an actors company that uh, like does all black versions of like uh, famous plays, like a lot of Shakespeare stuff mm. and stuff. So she was awarded uh, OBE in the 90s I think it was or something like that so she went into a legendary career and Mm -hmm. this is one of her earliest uh, roles was in Doctor Who I am not surprised that she went on to a legendary career because she was freaking awesome yeah Mm -hmm. yep she was one of my favorites in this also a member of the boot agenda uh, Mm -hmm. from 1968 because she had the big white boots whereas um, Astrid had the big had had the smaller black boots in her in her messenger disguise and then she put on the big like thigh high black boots when she got mm-hmm. back under so there's boots everywhere in mm-hmm. this story it's a good boots episode boots wallpaper and collars the yeah. collar game is strong like everybody has some sort of like a sticky uppy collar of some sort even you know deadish's sort of outfit has it's a bit of a v- v-neck mm-hmm. cut but uh but a, a higher collar and yeah they're all good i gotta take i gotta i must watch the credits for episode five um for who the designer was. I can't remember who it was, but the designers are both the set designer and the costume designer. I think there's there some credit. Also something we have to look out for. I have I've never watched I always forget to watch for it, but David Troughton makes his on screen debut as an extra, I think in episode five of this. Mm-hmm. Probably either as a guard or someone downstairs in the in the mm-hmm. underground. I can't remember. So I, I mentioned that to myself. We'll forget, mm-hmm. but uh, but tr- look out for him because I think he's in one of the two next episodes. I feel like you maybe told me that the last time we watched this, and I think he's a guard. I yeah. think he's like seventeen in this. Oh. So yeah, and he has a speaking role later in, in the war games. So. Yeah. Exciting. Isn't it though? Mm-hmm. Something to look forward to. We probably won't do another episode at Worldcon. Mm-hmm. Sunday night 
uh, will be doing, will be busy mm -hmm. at the Hugo Awards. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we're doing a lazy Doctor Who after the Hugo Awards, instead of going to either hopefully the victory party or indeed the losers party, which is the um, more popular party, it seems, um, then we're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's let's hope we're not back tomorrow. That's all. But we will be back soon, hopefully, mm -hmm. with some more Lazy Doctor Who on the Incomparable Radio Network. <laughs> the Incomparable <laughs> Podcast Network. I like calling it that. You got a t-shirt that says Radio Network, so now that's Radio on my brain. Radio Theater. Radio Theater. See, it said all the podcasts are mashing into one. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine. It's travel brain. That's how it works. That's true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else about these two? Nope. I just, I'm still really enjoying these, this story. Good. I love it. Me too. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.